Hey everybody, that funky music that you're hearing means that it's time for another stop. <laughs> Hammer time. <laughs> Inside the Binge Lounge, the Michelle Mission's little um, hideaway from, <laughs> from black films where Vince and Len just sit and talk about whatever, why, 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 why. That's what it's turned into. That's what it's turned into, and we can actually do that. Like, we said we were going to talk about something, and we can talk about that something, but then we can talk about lots of stuff. We can talk about what... Well, one of the things that we, we're supposed to be talking about today is a, a, a controversy that has erupted over director Sofia Coppola's remake of Clint Eastwood's 70s movie, The Beguiled. The Beguiled, yes. Now, The Beguiled, from what I understand, a movie that I heretofore had not heard of. I was unaware of this controversy. It's not well known. Oh, the film or, or the controversy? The film. Yeah, the film was Clint Eastwood's film. Yeah, not well known at all. Yeah, I, I knew nothing about this whatsoever. The Beguiled is a film from 1971. Um, it was actually starring Clint Eastwood, but it was directed by Don Siegel. Okay. Who directed many Clint Eastwood movies. It's considered an American Southern Gothic drama uh, starring Clint Eastwood and Geraldine Page. Uh, set in the American Civil War, where Union soldier John Burney, McBurney, excuse me, is rescued from the verge of death, of death by a twelve-year-old Amy, a student at an all-girl boarding school in rural Mississippi, uh, the Ms. Martha Farnsworth Seminary for Young Ladies. John begins to bond with each of the women in the house, including the slave Haley. As he charms each of the women, the sexually repressed atmosphere of the school becomes filled with jealousy and deceit, and the women begin to turn on one another. Sophia Coppola, this year, has remade The Beguiled uh, and has starred Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, and Kirsten Dunst and Elle Fanning. Uh, in this remake, the original was considered a Southern Gothic. This movie, while couched as a drama, Sophia Coppola says while she was reluctant to remake the film, she was looking for something to cleanse her palate um, from from the the uh, film her previous film, which was 2013's Bling Ring. She became interested in showing this movie from the woman's point of view as opposed to the man's point of view. The material came to Sophia at a time when she wanted to do a more optimistic film than <laughs> Bling Ring. And it was actually um, presented to her by her friend Ann Rose, the production designer. However, what has happened, while this movie has garnered a great deal of praise since its release, uh, its, its wide release on June 23rd, it made the the, the festival circuit um, starting in May and was selected to compete for the Palme d'Or at the, in the main competition at the 2017 Cannes Film Festival where Sofia Coppola won the Best Director Award becoming only the second woman to do so. This Focus feature film was released with 
to high praise on its release on June 23rd. However, on the internet, it received criticism over the decision to omit the character of Haley. Uh, Coppola defended Haley's absence by saying she did not want to present slavery in a lighthearted way and would rather delve into it in a way the script did not allow, but nevertheless was accused of downplaying the plight of slaves for her decision. Yes. What do you think about that? Um, uh, I don't have a problem with it. So you don't have a problem with something said, see, I hate to say it cause now I sound like, <laughs> like, I sound like, Oh, so you don't have a problem with, but all right, well, let's, 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 let's come at it from this angle. How did you feel about how slavery was depicted in Django? Unchained. In Django, how how about how slavery was depicted? Right, how slavery was sort of addressed. Because I think Sofia Coppola, when she says she doesn't want to present it in a lighthearted fashion, mm-hmm. and I took by lighthearted, um, I framed that as in a disrespectful fashion. So therefore, I don't deal with it at all. And there, you know, I think that it was part of the criticism that Quentin Tarantino received. Okay. About his depiction of slavery that, you know, I don't like the way I, you know, whatever critics didn't like it, not I personally, but I don't like the way that he presented it. I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with the way that slavery was presented in, okay. in, um, in, in Django Unchained because I felt that for the most part, the the realities of slavery at that time were there for you to see. Sure. Um uh, and some might say it, that those realities may have even been heightened to a degree. I don't think so. No, 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 but no, I'm no. Sure there, there are some people who's like, oh, they, they, they really, it wasn't really like that. You right, right, right. These are people um, who haven't read what we call books. You know what I mean? Right. But I felt that, I felt that, that reality was enough that, that reality was there for you to see, um, which then just made it that much more of a visceral experience when the tables are turned right. in that film. Right, you know? right. And then also makes it even like a little bit more almost gut wrenching when you think, oh my God, he's going to go, he's going to be subjected back right. to from whence he came. Right, right. So. I actually didn't have a problem with the depiction of slavery in, 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 in Django. Django. And in this film, without having seen either of them. Sure, sure, sure. We, right. But with if she wants to make the decision to omit this character from from the movie, and mind you, I understand the character probably in the in the in the original probably played a um, you know. Uh, a substantial role, right? Right. I mean, but you know, I don't think I, I without seeing it, sure. I have, a, I have a funny feeling that in 1971, right, in a, in a Don Siegel directed Clint Eastwood movie, that the role of Haley was not the most substantial, a significant sure. female uh, performer uh, role in that film, and one that could be easily excised from this film if Sophia Coppola has decided to take that character and whatever parts of the story relate to her out of this film um, 
but hasn't wholeheartedly, you know, rewritten the that time, you know, like like not saying like you know saying that you know uh, 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 saying like you know this this was a happy time uh, this this moment of the Civil War, right? If she hasn't done something like that, then I I'm not too bent out of shape about that. Sure, sure. I mean, you know. Once is a thing, two is a coincidence, three is a pattern. Okay. I've, 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 I find Sophia Coppola problematic before we even get to this part of it. As a director? As a director and the stories that she chooses. Like, I think she's very much indicative of, 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 of a particular type of white person mm. that can't, that, you know, is, is so sort of nestled in privilege okay. that she's just blind to everything like like Lost in Translation is a film that I liked the first time I saw it and then it got ickier each time I saw it because I do think she kind of it, like there is a, a there's a vein of orientalism that runs through it mm-hmm. like you have these two people in this exotic place mm-hmm. and the exotic place serves no other purpose but to be this exotic background Right. For these two white people to do white people things in the aforementioned bling ring, which is based on a true story. One of the one of the actual people is Hispanic and she whitewashed that character. Oh, did she? Yeah, she whitewashed that character. I, and, I don't I, I didn't see bling ring. What was... uh, it was it was about a group of um, thieves who robbed rich people in um, Hollywood. Oh, in fact, yeah. these are the people that robbed, I think, um. Oh, what was that? Was that woman's name? Lost her mind. You know the one that they like. That they liked. It's so funny. It was like the remember one that they like. You remember? You remember that episode of South Park where they talked about how the young ingenues would get sacrificed. In in like you know at the moment they were talking about Britney Spears. Okay, but then yeah, they talked. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, oh, what was her name? Anyway, this was about. It was based on the story about this ring of thieves. Okay, and one of those thieves was Hispanic. Oh, she totally changed the character. She changed the character to a white person. Interesting. Well, and well, that, and, that's and, and then cool. and you, this Bagal is the same thing where, and some of the quotes I've read is she said she wants to deal with issues of gender, not race, because as we all know, black women aren't women; they're black women. Like if I'm gonna do gender stuff, that's white women stuff. So rather than de- rather than dealing with this messiness, I just get rid of her altogether. You're so, right. I find Sofia Coppola problematic. Now, I find her problematic too. Like just in general, but in my mind, what kind of what interests me about this is how it's part of this larger pattern. When we talk about, and we've talked about it on 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 the show, on the actual podcast, about the depictions of the American South in general, and yes. particularly during this moment. And it is, you know, the joke, the joke I always told myself is that white people love the Civil War in the South the way black people love Barack Obama. <laughs> like our the default is that you love it without hesitation. Mm-hmm. And if someone brings up a critique of it, you don't really want to deal with it. Mm. It's like, oh, you know, Barack Obama, like I'll stick with us. Oh, we love Barack Obama. And Barack Obama is like, well, you know, technically, like, 
more people died than under drones under Barack Obama. And, and he, you, you know, like we talk about legal immigration, but he actually deported more people than, and hey, I don't hear all that. Barack Obama. So when we talk about the South, it's the same thing. You know, they love the South, love to, you know, let's get married at a plantation. And, you know, get married at a plantation where, I mean, where the, where, where, where all the concentration camps closed? Like, why are you getting married on the plantation? You know, and like, hey, hey, we love this. And I think it is part of this great grand American tradition. Mm. Where, you know, we talk about the Civil War, we talk about these things, and we downplay slavery, or we just don't talk about it at all. And to me, that is more of an issue than, you know, Sophia Coppola's silly movie that she didn't remade because she wanted to cleanse her palate from the last movie she made. Well, you know what? It must be great to be a Coppola. How about that? It must be great to be a Coppola. How about that? Being able to, like, basically... You know, you, her daddy, yeah, basically uh, is. I don't care what you say. He's living off of three films. Oh Lord, see, I oh boy, he is Godfather really? one and two, yeah, and Apocalypse Now. Wow, he's living off of those three films. So you don't like um, that's him. The conversation is isn't that a Coppola? Uh, he may have done the conversation. The conversation is is okay. Wow. I mean, no, I like the conversation, but I don't. I, I honestly think the conversation doesn't hold up. It's a little boring. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I like it, but it's, it's more like see, first this, time I watched it. See, it, this is more interesting than Sofia Coppola. See, this is why you got to do the binge lounge. You know, anything, is better, anything is better, more interesting than Sofia Coppola. The conversation was, was good the first time let's I watched sure, it. Let's make sure. Let's look that up. Let's look that up right now in real. Is, is that uh, Coppola? Let's find out. Let's yeah. find out. Francis Ford Coppola. I'm looking him up. I'm looking up his uh, filmography. Or, you know, look up Gene Hackman in the conversation. Um, yeah, he did the conversation. I thought that was him. Wow. So so you, you're, not, you're not a big conversation dude. No, I like it. No, no, no. But I you're not a big conversation no, dude. No, I don't like Neil at the altar of it. No. Okay. All right. All and, right. And, and, and okay. And let's put it this way. He did the conversation. Okay. Right, right. Right. He's done some other halfway decent movies. He did the Cotton Club. He did Outsiders. He did uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. He's done a few halfway decent. I actually movies. Actually, love all of those. But uh, yes, and they're not bad films. Right. So the three. What are the, what are the three Godfather? I'm assuming you said three films. Are you saying all three of the Godfather films? No, I said Godfather one, yeah. and two, yes, and Apocalypse and now. Apocalypse Now. Those okay. are the three films that made his career. No, no, no. hey, I mean. I mean, everything else is okay you know the, he's got good mitigate you know good stuff some like eh it's like uh, and then it's godfather three right right and with right. godfather three right right is where we were introduced to sophia coppola yes yes dad thank you very much that's my invitation to sophia coppola and it was in getting watching, shot at the end of godfather three and it was in watching godfather three that i realized Oh, the talent stopped with Dad. I think she's a good director. I think she points a camera and a half. I actually music. think she's a good director. I, you know, I, I think she's the whitest of white women about like pretty much anything social or political. But you know, I ain't going. I I, I disagree with you about her skill as a director. I don't think. I, okay, she's not a. 
I don't think she's a bad director. Right. So so I should I like I this isn't Lena Dunham. Like yeah. Lena Dunham to me is like the poster child of propped up white mediocrity. Amen. Uh, no. No, she's not. You know who's the poster child? It's um I just drew a blank on her name. Goldie Hahn's daughter. Oh, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. That's she's my favorite. That's propped up. Yeah, white mediocrity. White mediocrity. Yeah, yeah. It, yes, that's the that is the filet mignon. Yeah, yeah. She's like the avatar. Yeah, I said exactly. I used to say Lena Dunham is my spirit animal. Like whenever I want to channel somebody who is white and mediocre and feels like they should they should have more than they should. Like God grant me the confidence of Lena Dunham. Yes. See, the, Sophia Coppola. But I think she's Sophia so, Coppola is a good director. She's a good director, but... She's just mad problematic. The way, they, the way that they propping her up, though, I don't think she's... Well, okay. I mean, I haven't seen The Begal. I haven't seen The Begal. I haven't seen The Begal. But, but I, I saw I, Lost in Translation. Right, right, right. And I actually, like I said, I think I really, really, really like Lost in Translation. Mm. But I just find it mad problematic. Mm. So... Well, but now, hearing the story... Yes. Of the bling ring, which I did not know. Right, right. If I knew that going into the beguiled, right, then I would certainly see the outrage. Right, I certainly do see yeah. the outrage because, like you said, it's a pattern. Right, and it's a very disturbing pattern, and one she needs to check herself on. So, the but okay, go ahead. Her father. Oh Lord, we back on Francis Ford Coppola. He, he don't, he don't. There ain't a whole lot of brown in his movies either. You know what? There's not, and and I, I I'm, was kind of kind of getting there, and and you knew, you know, I do like the argument. Does a Civil War movie have to have black people in it? You know, in this sort of argument, and I actually don't have a problem with because it's, it's the Woody Allen argument. Like Woody Allen, you know, Woody Allen never has any black people in his movies. It's the Woody Allen argument as far as movies, the Seinfeld argument. Seinfeld, you know, the Cohen friends. Right. The Cohen brothers just sort of stumbled into a version of this argument. I don't necessarily have a problem with white people making white people stuff yeah. without us in it. If we shouldn't be in it. Or if there's like like, you know, I'm just like, you know, I'm going you know, I make I make these these films, uh, like you just mentioned. You know, both Godfathers. Uh, there are black people in Apocalypse now, but you know, it's it's a Vietnam soldier, so it should be. Conversations basically. Gene Hackman almost by himself. Peggy Sue got married. Is uh, you you know set in this all white town, The Outsiders, based on the novel. There are no black people in it. I don't have a problem like this sort of oh put some black people in oh you know now that's where i never had a problem yeah my problem is when you try to excise us out of things that we you know just history says we should be there right you know like how are you going to do like you know we've talked about it before where the whole genre of cowboy movies and i joked Mm -hmm. you know i said oh one in three cowboys was black like no 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 it was one in four but think about that like the consciousness of the way we think about history, right? We're we're just gone. Like we're just gone. Yeah. And frankly, I don't know. I don't think for the Civil War specifically, I don't think you can talk about the Civil War without talking about slavery. You can't because that's what, that's, that's what the war was the about. Movie, the war, right? right so right. you know, and don't had to be no black people in there, but you damn sure need to mention it. Yeah. 
you know, about slavery. And if this is at a school and the way this school is set up and it's in Mississippi, somebody is cleaning the toilet. Somebody is cooking the food. And if it's not black people, I need to have the white people who are working there acknowledge the fact that I wish we had some slaves so that we wouldn't have to do this. But, you know, I think I, I think part of the way you address that is 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 we tell our own stories. Exactly. You know, we tell our own stories. I remember there was a um there was a um there there was a there was a bit of, of a, a brouhaha as they say. You know, a woman Is that what they call it? A brouhaha. A kerfluffle, <laughs> if you will. A Donnie Brook. About a woman who wrote Gone with the Wind from mm-hmm. the perspective of um one of the enslaved women. Oh really? Yeah, I think it was called something ridiculous. You like the wind be gone or you know, like it had like it had a title where you saw it and you're like, "Where that window? That's not real." But you know, there and in the book, in the book, um, the novel Gone with the Wind, Rhett Butler is in the Ku Klux Klan. Really? Like, there's a whole section about you know the Ku Klux Klan and Rhett Butler's in the Ku Klux Klan, and obviously that never made the movie. No, <laughs> but. This is history. This is what happened. This is the actual novel. So to just you, you know, it, you, you know, you kind of you want this. You know, my 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 parents got my wife a subscription. Like you know how you get the yeah. you get the, like the little thing, and you know, oh, pick some magazines to subscribe to, and somehow we ended up getting a subscription to Southern Living. Really? Yeah, it's a great magazine. Great, great recipes, wonderful pictures, great ideas for decorating. Great magazine. I love Southern Living because I love the hoops that they jump through every issue not to acknowledge race. Like, it's actually hilarious. Really? The way month after month you get this and, again, these plantation-style weddings and mm-hmm. or, or the farm. Because they don't even use the word plantation no, a lot of times. Not. It's a farm. And the way they jump through these hoops to try and not acknowledge what is is like what actually is and you know this farm that's been standing since the 1700s right and we see it now when we're talking about taking down the monuments and and, you know what does this mean and 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 the the confederate flag which you know was erected during segregation like that's when people start waving a flag around during segregation but we have to acknowledge it we have to tell the truth about these things Seems like a sidebar, but it's not really a sidebar. Bunch of these Catholic schools closing, mm-hmm. and a bunch of these pri- little private schools closing. I can't speak for Philadelphia because you know I'm not from here, but in Baltimore, there's a bunch of these little schools closing. And you look, and a lot of these schools were established in the late '50s, early '60s, right? And no right. one talks about the fact that the reason that they were established was so that white kids wouldn't have to go to these newly integrated schools. But, you know, you got to call it what it is. Wow, that's very true. You know, you got to call it what it is. You want to go to an integrated school, then you can pay the Catholic Church. We've got a nice school for them. St. Francis Agrizi established 1969. Wow. Say, huh, that's an interesting year for it to be established. So. You are a fount of knowledge. (laughs) I know what I know. But I don't know nothing besides what I know.
All right, so what else do you want to talk about? I mean, I'm back to Francis Ford Coppola in the conversation. So you think the conversation is boring? Maybe we should kill some sacred cows. Never tell you I think 2001 The Space Odyssey needs a, needs a good editing. Have I ever said that? You know. Have I two, said that on tape? I don't think you've said that on tape. Yeah. I'll go you one better. Uh-oh. 2001 The Space Odyssey needs editing after the opening credits cut straight to the closing credits. Oh, so you don't like it at all? No. Wow. Now, you want to talk a dirge of a movie. Wow. And I like Stanley Kubrick. I mean, of course. I love Dr. Strangelove. Of course. But 2001 is boring. Wow. And does not, I know it's supposed to stimulate your brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does nothing. Wow. Nothing. No thing for me. That is craziness. No, it's not. There's a lot of people that don't like that movie. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm not talking about a lot of people. I'm talking about you. It seems like you would, you know. You really think that I would like that movie? I think that you are a man with a certain degree of taste and and you've seen things and you've read things and it seems like you would appreciate it. like i thought i was stepping into something saying that it needs a good editing because mm. i actually like it but i do think that it runs long yeah it's like about what two and a half hours yeah yeah it's yeah. way it's way freaking long you know what i'll tell you another sacred cow all right go ahead kill him lynn kill him a movie that needs a so a, a, oh my god it needs an editing. let's make some religious burgers the dark knight Oh, well, you know how I am about the Batman stuff. Can we talk about the Batman stuff, Bat Triple? Michael Keaton is the best Batman because Michael Keaton is the best Bruce Wayne. You know why? Why? Michael Keaton is the only Bruce Wayne that you can actually suspend your disbelief that nobody in Gotham would think that he was Batman. Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne is better than any of the other Bruce Waynes except arguably George Clooney. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Thou Kilmer, Christian Bale. That's it, right? Yeah. That's, that's all it. Well, That's it of yeah, the yeah. modern. Both Thou Kilmer and Christian Bale. If I'm trying to figure out who this dude is with all this equipment flying around brooding in dark and who's fighting the crime in Gotham and doing all this stuff, and Thou Kilmer or Christian Bale walk in the room. Oh, well, clearly the dude with the black turtleneck is Batman. See, now, I disagree. I disagree with you. They are bad Bruce Wayne. I disagree with you in, in Christian Bale. The, the scenes may not be as plentiful, but the scenes where Christian Bale is playing Bruce Wayne in the public in his movies, he is 100% the, whole, the, the flamboyant playboy. Christian Bale has dead eyes like a shark. Christian Bale, like Christian Bale now, like I'm not talking about the characters he's he's playing. I'm talking Christian Bale, the yes. actual person. Yes, has dead eyes like a shark. <laughs> Christian Bale looks like he has a deep freezer in his basement <laughs> with people's hands in it. No, he doesn't. No, he does. I like Christian Bale. I, I, I mean, I like him as an actor, but I mean, Christian Bale looks like a serial killer. Like he. Actually, well, looks like a serial killer. He played a hell of a serial yes. killer in American Psycho. So if you know, and you look at the Chris Nolan films, which you know, my, you know the argument that I've made that Christian Nolan sort of makes Batman films like begrudgingly, 
Like yes. I'm begrudgingly going to make a Batman film so that he presents Batman as a broken, crazy person. That's Christian Bale. Like you would like like if somebody said Christian Bale, like Christian Bale, the actor, Christian Bale leaves his home in the Hollywood Hills and goes out and beats up drug dealers and then stamps stamps a mark on them and say, swear to me, I'd say, oh, yeah, I believe that. That makes sense to me. I I still disagree with your contention about him being a bad Bruce Wayne. I think he is a good Bruce Wayne. Val Kilmer is is is. Val Kilmer is, is cashing a check. He's stealing money in his movie, right? <laughs> Admittedly, he, he's he's stealing all the dough. George Clooney has no idea what he's doing because oh. he's not being directed. Well, he's a bad Batman. He's well, he's a bad Batman. But George Clooney, who is not a bad actor, no, I like George Clooney. is a bad actor in. Batman and Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. He, he he is just not good in there. And that's because like I say he's not being directed and he's up against two legitimately always bad actors yes. in Chris O'Donnell and Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, that's. So he's it's like a got vor- nothing it's like to a work vortex. With. It's a vortex of yeah. of disgust. So, but but like, let's keep killing. I don't want to go down the bat hole with okay. you. Like, let's keep killing sick because I'm enjoying this. All I'm right, enjoying so, so what other cow? What other cow you want to kill? I, I don't know. You tell me. You, I mean, nah, you, I, you, I'll murder him. Because I'm still at the conversation. You were this conversation. <laughs> you were the conversation. Okay, I'll tell you another movie. Okay. Is. No, it's a cool movie. Okay. It's a really cool movie. Okay. But I don't. I'm not sure if I get the hype. Okay. All right. The French Connection. I can see that. I, I can see that. I do because I love Gene Hackman. I, Gene I Hackman can see is that. Easily one of my ten favorite actors of all time. But I don't. Not sure. I get the like. I don't get the hype of the French Connection or Steve McQueen's Bullet. I think the French Connection has the pacing. Of one of those seventies films, like like the French Connection, almost has like, like you can tell, you can tell there's this moment where that kind of new wave of seventies directors is is still kind of leaning, like like you you can kind of read almost the French direction on their arms, okay, on their sleeves, mm-hmm. where the pacing and and you know they almost want to make art house films. They do, yeah. And I think the pacing of the French Connection is there. Although I think the French Connection holds up as a film. Like I think it's a good film. I think it's a good film. I just don't see the hype on it. I think Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa 
on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Bullet is just Steve McQueen is is I always forget what are the rules for the binge lounge? We we don't cuss on here either. We'll we try not to okay. you know, radio. You know, the Steve McQueen is just cool as blankety blank. Yeah. And he's driving a car that's as cool as he is. It's like the we you know, we talked a couple of um binge lounges before about uh about Lee Majors yeah, okay. in, in the six million dollar man. It's Steve McQueen in nineteen sixty or nineteen seventy, whatever. Yeah. And that car. That's true. And that's the movie. Like that is this, the movie. this is your movie right here. That's the but movie. Quietly, except maybe Cool Hand Luke, I think that's that's the I think that's like the definition of most of Steve McQueen's movies. You're right. Because that's him in the greatest like, escape. Like Steve McQueen is cool as hell, and we just gonna watch him do some stuff for two hours. And that's him in the Thomas Crown affair. That's that's yeah. That's him in um What's his version of payback called? Oh, um, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, because I actually like Mel Gibson's version better. Maybe that's the Sacred Cow. I like Mel Gibson's version better than Stephen Queen's. Sacred Cow. Okay. I don't know if it's necessarily killing a Sacred Cow, but maybe in, in today's day and time it is. I still like Mel Gibson. As an actor? I still think he's a very talented actor, and I think he's an incredible director. I don't think anyone has ever questioned his skill. It's just he's a Nazi. <laughs> like, he's a Nazi. Is he a Nazi? He's, he's kind of a Nazi. Is he a Nazi? Like, he's kind of like, I don't know if he's wearing a shirt. Does he just, you know, but he says Nazi stuff. Like, he actually says... He didn't say, he didn't, he didn't say Nazi I think stuff. he actually calls Jewish people Christ killers. Like I think the term Christ killer has come out his mouth. Yeah, Nazis. Like that's is, is, is yeah, you're a little not you're, you're Nazi esque. When you start blaming Jews for killing Christ, like like you killed Jesus, and that's why I hate you. You real Nazi e. You real Nazi e. Is that Nazi? It's a little Nazi. The, the argument could be made that maybe they did. Okay, you about to get us thrown. <laughs> See, I'm just I'm just playing devils. You real devils. devil's advocate, yeah. I like Mel Gibson's acting as well, and I think he's an okay director. I think he's an okay director. Really? What is Mel Gibson's great film? Braveheart. Braveheart is a fantastic popcorny popcorn solid film but braveheart is no better than kevin costner's robin hood what see now see now you lost me kevin costner's robin hood is a bad i don't think it's a bad movie it's a bad movie that's a bad movie that's way too long and and it's takes itself way too serious i, I think you and just a, described braveheart no no it's not no it's not braveheart because is way too long and takes said, itself too seriously braveheart is not way too long at all and when you say that um braveheart you some people could see braveheart as like kind of like a popcorn type of movie there is some popcorn yes. to it you could you i i don't totally disagree with that there certainly is some seriousness and romantic romanticism to it as well 
Kevin Costner's Robin Hood. He thinks he's doing like you know this is his thesis on Robin Hood. Yes, and it's 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 boring. It's the same way his Wyatt Earp movie is is an hour too long. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, which is why the romanticism of Tombstone wins out over it. No, no, no. I hear you. I'm talking about Braveheart. In Robin Hood. Well, Robin Hood is a bad movie. I think I think Braveheart is Robin Hood with more uh, dirt and dust and grit. No, 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 no. Now I would I think a more apt dis, uh, comparison with Braveheart is something like Gladiator. I put Gladiator in the same category. I think Gladiator. like these are solid, entertaining. These you know it's like these sort of um, late nineties. Big white guy actors getting their Cecil DeMille on. Like I'm going to make like I grew up watching movies and I wanted to always wanted to make a Cecil DeMille sort of historical big hoo ha. And now I'm a famous white guy who my biggest like the biggest the biggest arrow in my quiver. See what I did because we we're talking about Robin Hood mm-hmm. is that I'm a white guy over six feet. Like I'm not necessarily the greatest actor. But I'm a white guy over six feet. I have a certain amount of presence. Like, I got tapped to be leading man. I'm not asexual like Tom Hanks. So I do stuff. And this is this is what I want to make. And Mel Gibson said, well, let me direct mine. They're good, solid movies. I like them a lot. But, you know, it, d- did he make another great movie? Yes. Mel Gibson? What was yeah. his other great movie? I enjoyed the passion. Torture porn. <laughs> torture porn. I don't think it was torture porn. I think it was very moving. Oh, I think it was a very moving movie. I yeah. He's, he's, yeah. I enjoyed the. I I the, and I like Apocalypto. You know what? I don't think I ever actually watched Apocalypto. It's I think not- I, I think I started it and got distracted. <laughs> I think I started and got distracted. I really did. Somebody had Batman and Robin on it. I did, you know, I think Mel Gibson is, you know, I, I think he's, I'm trying to think the best thing I saw Mel Gibson in. Like, like I think Mel Gibson is one of them 80s dudes. He's one of them 80s dudes. And and, and if he wasn't Mel Gibson, they, he never would have been allowed to direct. But because he was Mel Dip Gibson at that point, it opened doors. And I think he does all right. Yeah, I think he, I think he directed Hamlet. As well, I think it was Hamlet. It was either Hamlet or Macbeth. He did something. It was. Yeah, he did a Shakespeare. Speaking of those big stars, here's a sacred cow, sort of. I've never had anyone explain to me why the Wild Wild West isn't as entertaining as Men in Black. The movie, the Wild the Wild movie, West? the Will Smith movie, Wild Wild West, is just as entertaining to me as the Will Smith movie. Men in Black. Not Men in Black 2, not Men in Black 3, The Blackening. The first Men in Black, which is the best of them. Yes, it is the best of them. And I think it is a highly entertaining film, a very smart film, and I've never understood the Wild Wild West hate. Well, I think... I think Because I found it just as... I find it just as entertaining. I think... And I, it's been a long time since I've seen the Wild Wild West... But I do think that there is, I think the script is a little weak in mm. Wild Wild West. 
I don't. I seem to remember. I seem to. I seem to remember the movie trying too hard. Okay. Like Men in Black, the first Men in Black. What? What? Why that succeeds above the sequels is that is you've got two very entertaining actors in Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. But you also have a movie that smartly uh, that is very smart about its world building. Okay. And it puts you into the, it puts you in that world and it gives it gives you just enough at the beginning to 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 enter that world and then you kind of learn everything else through osmosis. Right. In that film. I think that's true. And it's smartly and it's smartly done. The other movies, much the the sequels, much like Wild Wild West, are trying too hard and spoon feeding and hit you over the head, right? With every and, and it kind of crawls up its own ass with right. the and mythology. It's just, not as, and, it's just yeah. not as smart. So that's that's my take on what on, on that. Also, and I, I I do like Will Smith. Yes, but I think that Will Smith is miscast. In that film, in the Wild Wild West, in the Wild Wild West, interesting. Because if you have watched the series Wild Wild West, Robert uh, Conrad, yes, is maybe the coolest little man. Yes, he's about five two, you little dude. But he is the you can't tell that man he ain't six foot twelve. And you don't think Will Smith pulls off? That coolness in Wild Wild West. I don't. I don't. Th- I don't think Will Smith is. He's cool. Yes. But the coolest Will Smith has ever been mm-hmm. was in the Bad Boy movies. Yes. And even then, he's as cool as he is. He his cool only gets over because he's got Martin Lawrence playing. He's playing, playing off Martin, of him. Yeah. Martin Lawrence in. In, um, because remember, Will Smith is supposed to be kind of like cool in Men in Black. Yes, but he comes off as a little I make bit this more, look good. Yes, more kind of like goofy. Yeah, yeah. One because he's playing against Tommy Lee Jones, who while not playing cool, is cool. He's actually carved out of granite. Exactly. In in anger. <laughs> in in the, the Wild Wild West, he's playing off Kevin Klein. Goofy. Kind of goofy, yeah. off, uh, you know. Kevin Klein, it, it, his cool just doesn't work against him. And then his villain, you've got Kenneth Branagh. So it, yeah, Kenneth Branagh. So now you've got he's got two vastly superior actors. Yeah, that he's going up against. Okay, who are admittedly probably phoning it in and absolutely. having a little fun in both of these. Yeah, films. absolutely. But he's got to work doubly hard to sit, stay up with those two, and okay. I, I think he fails. All right, and all right. How you feel about uh, Will Smith as an actor? As an actor, Will Smith. I, I like him as an actor because I see him trying. I don't think he. I don't think he always succeeds. <laughs> I don't think he always. We actually haven't. We've we've never done a Will Smith film. We have. I'm realizing as we're talking, we've never done a Will Smith film. I don't think he succeeds. Um, I think he. I think he. He. Um, I don't think he like like 
nails the landing every time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I give him like a good eight in most of his movies. Okay. You know, um, I think he's great in the Bad Boy movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's um, good in the in, in Men in Black, and he's, yeah. he's, he's, he does what he's, he's supposed to do in Men in Black too. Sure. Um, I actually a movie that a lot of people deride. I actually liked him in Seven Pounds. I I actually liked I liked him in that movie, um, but the rest of, for a lot of a lot of his filmography, I could take it or leave it. How you feel about I Am Legend? I didn't think he was bad in I Am Legend. That's actually my favorite Will Smith movie. That's your favorite. Will I think Smith? he's fan, and I'll tell you why. It's sort of like it's my favorite Will Smith movie. Like um, Punch Drunk Love is my favorite Adam Sandler movie. I love the fact that you have this person who has gotten to this point in his career mm-hmm. where we as the audience have been trained to love them mm-hmm. and to love their little personality quirks. Mm-hmm. And then like midway through the film, you realize that those personality quirks that you love so much and you've been trained to fall for is really symptomatic of how they're broken. Yeah. Like there's a moment in I Am Legend where he's he's going along. I think I think Shrek. I think the the little boy is watching Shrek, mm-hmm. and he starts going along with the dialogue, and you realize that this is a person that's been alone yeah. since the zombie apocalypse, and he's lost his whole family, and he's broken and he's scary, and I think that's very difficult to pull off. So, and then I just I, you know I think he I think he does really well by himself which i think is difficult for an actor it is so it is. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of i am legend i i do like the movie i i enjoy the movie a great deal and i think he is very good in yeah. the film i don't it may be you i like be will right. smith. It, may, it may be i like i think will smith the movie star got in the way of will smith the actor i i can i agree you with know that. it's it's sort of like you know, and even something like seven pounds which is so blatantly that's the other thing he wants an oscar so badly it's actually embarrassing yeah like he makes these and is and he might like just please please give and it is you're just sort of embarrassing See, and that's the reason why i don't like the movie that i probably most people think is his favorite his best movie um pursuit of happiness oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah like, i don't like that movie. any any of his serious movies in the past like five six years yeah i don't do, i don't do any of them because again, it's just like I'm Will Smith. I have all the money in the universe. I've done everything I want to do. Like the last thing I on my to do list is to get an Oscar. Yeah. So now I want to try and get an Oscar. So I'm going to make this os- this really embarrassing Oscar bait. Right. But at the same time, I'm Will Smith. So I'm only going to do so much. Right. It's like my argument about um, Beyonce in uh, Dreamgirls, mm. where. At no moment in the film do you ever forget it's Beyonce. that this is Beyonce. Yeah. Like she's lit like Beyonce. She has makeup on like Beyonce. So that when you get the quote unquote transformation into Dina Jones, it's not really a transformation. <laughs> because she's been Beyonce the whole time. Because, well, I'm Beyonce. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, uh, appropriately enough, because they say Dreamgirls is loosely based on the Supremes, mm-hmm. you look at Diana Ross in something like Mahogany, and she is actually she actually looks like a threadbare Chicago woman who is trying to make her way into this industry, and then she transforms into right. Mahogany. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. You know, that's, that's my, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like curious about the parallel universe where Will Smith actually took the role of Django. Right. That's right. Cause I think that would have been really, really interesting seeing him do that. I think it would have been really interesting. There's a part of me that thinks he would, he, that's another landing he would not have stuck. Right. Right. You know, well, I, you know, I, I think, um, Jamie Foxx is a better actor than Will Smith. Like actor. Yes. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think Jamie Foxx stole Ali from him. Oh, he that's another movie I think he was miscast. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, that's Will Smith, the movie star, getting in the way of Will Smith, the actor. Like, Will, you know who wanted Will Smith to be in Ali? Will Smith. Oh, really? Wow. I mean, the story I've always heard is uh, when people say, you know, what was the budget for Ali? And they say the budget was Men in Black 3. Oh, wow. Like, the story I've always heard is that was part of the deal, deal. him yeah. being in Men in Black 3. Or two. Two or three. Probably two. Maybe two. Like, three. like you know, that was a exactly. stipulation. Like, I'll be in if you let me make Ali. But, you know, in his defense, who's going to play Muhammad Ali besides Muhammad Ali? So, I, I give him a pass on Ali because I think that was an impossible task. Speaking of playing the real people... Uh, I saw this weekend. I went to the movies. Okay, and I saw the Tupac movie, All All Eyes on Me, and starring Demetrius Ship Jr. Yes, as Tupac. Eerily, eerily, like it's like looking at like a slightly crooked mirror. Okay, uh, like uh, he. That's how much he resembles Tupac. Okay, in this film. It's not a good movie. I've not, I've not heard a single solitary person say one good thing about this film. It's not a good movie. Except for that he looks just like Tupac. He like, looks, that's what people say. He looks ju- he looks just like tu- Tupac. The actor that plays Biggie Smalls yes. um, actually kind of, like, gives you the feel of Biggie right. Smalls. And I think he played Biggie Smalls in something else. I think he did too. Yeah, Somebody so maybe that. that's just his thing. Somebody else said that, but the uh, uh, um, the person who, to me, who stole that film was um, Cat Graham, who played Jada Pinkett. Okay, in that movie. What else has she been in? I'm not familiar with she her. She was in the uh, the the, uh, the Parent Trap. She was also uh, had a role, recurring role on the Vampire Diaries. Mm. These are two things I never would have seen. Me neither. Yeah, but she. So this is my introduction to her. But she did her thing. I don't think she was trying to imitate Jada Pinkett. Right. But she definitely had Jada, some Jada Pinkett isms. The spirit of Jada. The Jada. The spirit of Jada was there. Okay. And it like, without even saying who she was, I immediately said, "Oh, that's Jada." Right. Like right. her inflection. Right. Her, her, her everything, and um. She really stole the film for me. She's not in as much of the movie as I would have liked. Sure. Which kind of makes sense because there certainly was a, a, a point in Tupac's career where their their careers were Yeah, yeah, were yeah. Absolutely. But um, he played Piccolo in that episode of Different World. <laughs> right. Well, but um, she really she really put her thing down okay. in this movie. In this movie. So I think that coming out of this, I I hope to see a lot more from her the movie is really really all over the place yeah it's really all over the place and it's a shame 
Because Hill Harper's in this movie. What is Hill? See, this is the first I heard that Hill. See, suddenly I'm intrigued. Well, don't. Why is Hill Harper in this? Who's he play? He plays a reporter that in, interviewed Tupac when he was in prison. Okay. And uh, did an interview about his over talking about over his career, and I think the interview ultimately got published in like the Rolling Stone or sources. Oh, like this must be what Kevin Powell is talking about. Exactly right. He's exactly. Kevin. Kevin he's, Powell he's played, said, basically, they, yeah, play that role. Yeah. Um, Kevin Powell is suing the the makers of the film because he said they stole his story. Right. Uh, and without attributing, they don't attribute it at all. But it, it's what struck me with Hill Harper in this film is that I really am hard pressed to come up with three good movies that Hill Harper was in. I'm glad you said that. She's on the, uh, uh, get on the bus. That's the one. Uh, there's a film that I love that I'm waiting to kind of pull up and it's one of my esoteric choices. Uh, um, damn, I just, loving Jezebel. Okay. Loving Jezebel. And friend to the show, Dorian Missick's, uh I don't know if it's his first film, but um, Premium Blend. Premium. I think it's Premium or Premium Blend. Premium I think Blend, I think. It's yeah. He's in it with Zoe Saldana and Dorian Missick. I haven't seen that movie. He's really good in it, too, because he plays like a hard rock dude. Not a hard rock dude, but a dude who's like, like he. I, th- I think he either used to be a boxer or he boxes like. It's like Hill Harper. Hill Harper plays a, a former Hill boxer. Harper is either a boxer or he used to box because there's there's a scene in there where where Dorian Missick's character basically kind of they kind of you know are in front of each other and it's like wow this might be a thing right here. Also, Hill Harper is in um one of my favorite kind of not favorite but a movie that i enjoy a great deal for maybe five minutes and he's hilarious he plays the r kelly-esque character in half plenty who had oh yeah he is he had he had he had the um big hit uh love 40 yeah 40 ounces of love love 40 see i didn't like that in any any he signs autographs love 40 yeah. yeah, you know I'm a fan of Hill Harper. I like Hill Harper a lot as a character actor. I like Hill Harper. No, no, no I get it. I like the idea of Hill Harper. I like Hill Harper the I, the actor more than I do Hill Harper the like the activist positive really guy. Like Hill Harper positive good. guy makes me roll my eyes, but I like Hill Harper the actor. I rarely see him in anything good. And now he's got some TV show where he basically does like Hollywood Secrets or something. I mean, like that. oh, I thought he was on one of them, one of them CBS shows. I thought he hit the lottery and was the black guy on one of them CBS shows. Maybe he is, but he's also got some show where he's like stands in front of the screen and then introduces and then talks about Hollywood. some things. That's a Hollywood mystery. I think he, I think he saved his money because he was on one of those shows. Like I always talk about, he was on one of those CBS shows with the the good looking middle aged white dude in front. I don't, I don't. And then he's like towards the back. So now I got to look As up. the black guy. Now I got to look up Hill Harper. N-C-I-S-C-S-R-J-A-G-Y-M-C-A. <laughs> the hell? One of them shows. Seriously? Yeah, he was. I don't think so. N-C-I-S Las Vegas Unit 9. Okay, no, you're right. He was on... Uh... He was on CSI. I knew it. CSI New York. I'm telling you, he, he hit the black after jackpot. 
He's on one of them CBS shows, and like they would show him every um like every couple of episodes, and he's like looking in a microscope because I think he played a positive black guy. He played coroner turned See? crime scene See? investigator <laughs> Sheldon Hawks. He was he was a positive black guy on CSI New York for nine seasons. Oh man, that's oh my goodness! And then in 2013, oh that's some good money right there. He went to join the cast of Covert Affairs. What is that? Is that what you're talking about? Where he's sitting no, in front of the screen? I don't think. I don't think. Is that a show or is that that's a that's an actual show? Is that on CBS? It's a USA Network. Oh, see, well, why? I don't know why they that good white people money on CBS. Well, I mean, he, he, he in nine seasons. That's good money. If he that's, takes C- dope, that's CSR CBS? money for for nine years. Yeah. You know, I don't think he has like baby mamas and, and ex wives and stuff. No, and, he just adopted a child. And, yeah, so he, all he did was stack his dough. Yeah, I, I can I can understand why Kevin would be mad because the, the Hill Harper's character in All Eyes on Me, the character's name is journalist. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, That's <laughs> terrible. They didn't give Kevin Powell his money. I love Kevin Powell. They could have cast Kevin Powell. They could have. He, he would have done a whole lot better. Well, here's the thing: he may not because apparently everybody doesn't like this movie. You know, I, I think Kevin Powell and Tupac actually had a relationship. So and Kevin Kevin wouldn't have done this movie. This movie is it's it's abysmal. Oh, all right. It's it's really abysmal. Well I had no plans on seeing it and those plans have not changed. You no, know, you've got you're gonna see it. Well eventually. Because we're gonna watch all of them. Yeah. But we're gonna watch Love and Jezebel before we watch that. And Premium Blend. We'll definitely watch Premium Blend. Yeah. That. We're, we're we're due to take another trip down the filmography of Dorian. Well, I've been avoiding because it it's weird. Because we know him. Because we know him, it's weird now. He's our boy. Yeah, and I like it. Like I like Premium Blend, but now I'm scared to like look at it. Like now. But yeah, I like Premium Blend. That's actually where I kind of met Zoe Saldana. Oh really? Yep. I said, "Ooh, I don't know who that is, but I like her. What's her name?" Zoe Saldana. Yes, that is a that is a, dr- a dramatic reenactment of me seeing Zoe Saldana in Premium Blend for the first time. Oof, who is that? I like her. All right, <laughs> that's enough binging. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna end it there. We're gonna end it there. But I do want to say this a little Michelle Michelle uh, note that I've been listening to a lot of our old shows mm-hmm. recently. Because I, like the rest of the audience, love to listen to Vince's voice. Oh, here we go. And I was uh, listening, and I noted from, and I don't remember what shows they were on, but three movies that were recommended to us that I think over the next couple of months we need to uh, watch. Terry Terry Jingles, um, he suggested that we see Mississippi Damned. Oh, okay. So I, I think we definitely. Should I heard do good that. things about that too. Uh, Janine V at Janine B on Twitter, she said it's we're rounding around the time to do a review of Juice. Yeah, well, you know it's the anniversary this year. Yeah, I know. So I think Juice will be coming up sooner. Yeah. Than and Mark Turner not only suggested that we see Truck Turner. Man. Or do Black Belt Jones. Man. Which I'm interested. Black Belt Jones, is that um Jim Kelly, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm I really want to do Black Belt Jones. I believe that may also be Tamara Dobson. I'm not sure. 
But I think Tamara Dobson is we in shall black, soon, yeah, black Bell Jones. We shall soon see. But he also reminded us that some time ago we had talked about doing a show specifically about black soundtracks. So we should have did the binge lounge on. We should have done the binge lounge on that. But I didn't want to like, you know, I know music is your thing. So we should we should prep for it. Definitely prep. For All it. right. For that. Maybe next binge lounge. The next binge lounge. We'll do that, Mark Turner. All we, right. We, we will get that out of our, uh, uh, off the, just for you. Yes. It'll be Mark Turner's binge lounge. Oh, as that's we talk nice. about black soundtracks. All right. All right. Okay. Well, I hope you like this. <laughs> that's. <laughs> you, you need to wrap this in a bow a little better. <laughs> That's Vince, and this is Lynn. And in closing, we say, well, I hope you like this. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not a good closing. (laughs) Why are you still listening? (laughs) Ain't nothing else. Like which McCall and Ferris Bueller. Are you still here? Um, I hope this is Vincent this. Lynn saying in tape now. <laughs> Y'all don't know. We're taping a couple of things. <laughs> yes, we're a little punchy. We're a little punchy. We're taping a couple we're of taping things. Back. We taped this show. This is coming to you on the Four, right, n- not the Fourth of July. It's coming to you the day after. the day after the Fourth of, of July. We're not taping this on the Fourth of July. We taped this uh, right a, a right. week ago, <laughs> right after our review of Stormy Weather. Right, right. As you're listening to this, we're sitting in our respective homes, going, "Boy, I'm glad we did that last week." <laughs> I hope they like. <laughs> well, hope you like it. <laughs> You started it. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this diversion of the Michelle Mission, which you can listen to each and every one of our shows on MichelleMission.com, as well as on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn, as well as the CLSN Podcast Network. Email us your feedback at MichelleMission at gmail.com, or you can like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook on Facebook at Michelle Mission, on Instagram at Michelle Mission, and on Twitter at Mission Michelle. All right. <laughs> now we're done. Yes. He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. Well, I hope you liked it. Now it's time to better do. Hosting them and join you. Well, we hope you liked it. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.